Welcome to She Critiques, where we discuss the new, the old, all things cinema. I'm Mercedes, television producer, certified reviewer, and all-around movie buff. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Joining me on the podcast today is Mr. Brian Walker. Brian is a good friend of mine. We are colleagues. We work on a lot of the same television shows as producers, and I'm so glad to have him on. It's going to be a good laugh. He's so funny, and I know you guys are going to enjoy him. Here is Brian Walker talking with me today about the Players Club in P-Valley. Hello? Hey. Brian! What's going on? (laughs) Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on. Oh, no problem at all. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. First of all, okay, um, the idea of like, I got to get Brian on the podcast because (laughs) (laughs) and the only film that's appropriate for you and I to discuss on the podcast is none other than yes, the Players Club. Okay. Absolutely. (laughs) I don't know why we clicked over this movie. Um, I just, I mean, I love the Players Club. I know you love the Players Club. I don't know what it is we love about the Players Club. But clearly, like, this movie came out in 99. Yes. So, why do you think it is that we love the Players Club to this day? Um... You know, and it's funny because the Players Club is like really, I want to say it's listed as a drama, (laughs) (laughs) but somehow we find so much comedy in the movie. (laughs) Yes. I mean, well, first of all, the strip club scene itself is um, with with Jamie Foxx and their gunshots and bullet holes, like it's just the whole culture, the strip club culture is not necessarily, well, I mean, in Atlanta, it's known as an enjoyable place, you know, right? it's enjoyable, but for some reason, yes, I agree with you. It's, it's listed as a drama, but we find some really cool gems in the players club. Let Absolutely. me just, let me quickly do some housekeeping. So players club came out in 99 It's written, produced by ice cube. Uh, all-star cast here. We got Lisa Ray McCoy, Crystal Wilson, Bernie Mac, Monica Calhoun, Ice Cube, Jamie Foxx, Adele Givens, Terrence Howard, John Amos, Faison Love, Charlie Murphy, Anthony Johnson, I mean, Uncle Luke. Oh. <laughs> the ballers is in here tonight. <laughs> So, okay, when it comes to this cast that we're talking about, um, let's talk about Lisa Ray's performance as Diamond. Okay? The schoolgirl going to going to school in college, but, you know, the Players Club is where she makes her money. It's how she put her way through school. Let's talk about Lisa Ray's performance. What do you think? Um, so, Lisa Ray was just, what, the around-the-way girl. She was working at it. A shoe store, right? She mm-hmm. was just trying to make an honest living, trying to do the right thing, take care of her son, and go to. She was born to Spelman. Okay. 
Wasn't she? I, I, I know she. it was an HBCU. I'm not sure if they ever said which one. Yeah, she was. Well, she was going to school. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like her performance. You know, it was her breakout role. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like her performance was cool. Um, it wasn't really. I don't think that Diamond's character just had. She had a little depth, but it wasn't. She wasn't layered. Yeah, she wasn't fully layered. Yeah. Like, the only, you know, parts of her that we really saw, the dynamics that we saw was her relationship with her her father, um, the relationship that she had with her son, which was very minimal, not taking away from the fact that Diamond's character was, you know, a good mother because she was, you know, doing what she needed to do to make a better life for herself and for her son. Um, we saw the relationship with what her fiance or boyfriend. Right. Um, Lance. Lance. By, by Lance. <laughs> you know, you know, it was a song which is funny about his character because you know, uh June's diary made a song called Lance. And it, it stood and Lance became an acronym that stood for lying ass nigga cheating every day. <laughs> So how fitting that his name was Lance. <laughs> okay. and, and he cheated on her with, with our cousin. But I guess we'll get there. Oh, we will get there. <laughs> we will certainly get to crazy ass cousin Ebony. Um, okay. I feel like, yes, Dime's character was definitely not layered. But I think that that just contributes to Ice Cube. Um, Ice Cube broke this film. And this was his second film. So Friday was yeah. first for him than the Players Club. So he hadn't really uh, honed his chops yet, I think, as a writer. Absolutely. So I, I think he knew how to get a film on screen and he knew what the hood wanted, you know? Absolutely. So he ha- I don't think he had mastered character development or um, really, like, visually telling the story without relying on the, the obvious like he told the strip club movie, and that's just what it was going to be. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't even think he was. Yeah, he might have just not honed his chops yet as far as a writer. But he played to his audience ex- exactly, like many many black directors do. Yeah. Um, but okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. Let's comb through some of these scenes real quick as well. Oh, you know what? Let's talk about some other performances. So, um, because I feel like. Like you said, this was a drama, but, you know, we got a lot of comedy out of it. We had a lot of comedy people in the film. Yes. The Alex Johnson, Jamie Foxx, you know, Faison Love. These are all comedians. Absolutely. Ice Cube is known for doing as well, like with Chris Tucker and Friday. So he clearly likes to hype up his movies sometimes with some some comedians. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Um, Yes. I... I enjoyed the comedic aspect of the movie um, because, I mean, that that honestly is part of what makes the movie so memorable because of those little bites and little nuggets of comedy that you were able to um, that were woven into the movie, which really, um, like you said, because he isn't such a... Um, he wasn't such a seasoned writer at the time. Like, he knew what his audience wanted. 
you know, his audience wanted to, you know, see the women in the life of the strip club culture, but then also at the same time, they like to laugh, you know, black people love to laugh to keep from crying. So I think because the, the movie could have been like, it could have taken like a really deep and dark turn, but it didn't. And it was still the, the comedy aspect of it allowed to keep it like in some, in some parts. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, and then we, so out of this comedy breathes so many amazing one-liners from this film, like that are just, I just so many good one-liners from the Players Club. Yeah. <laughs> what are your favorite? What are some of your favorite quotes from um, the Players Club? Okay, now before I say this, <laughs> I just want to let all of your listeners know that <laughs> there is no way in he- any house, shape, form, n- no way that I condone rape. I believe that is absolutely <laughs> wrong. However, one of my favorite lines <laughs> from the movie is, well, I guess themes, rather. The beginning of the scene is when Ebony is in the room changing and Junior walks in and <laughs> and she did this. She was like, uh-uh, what you doing? And he was like, you know, it's my bachelor party. And she was like, uh-uh, I just came here to dance. That's it. And he was like, oh, you want to dance? <laughs> well, let's dance. <laughs> I don't know why that line is so funny to me. And I mean, I guess partially, you know, he has to thank Black Twitter for that. You know, because Black Twitter is like being very intricate in taking like little nuggets of things that you didn't even laugh at. Because I'm pretty sure like when I saw that movie originally, that was not something that I was laughing at, you know, because, of course, I'm looking at it from just taking it for face value. Of right. Literally, like this man is about to, you know take advantage of this take advantage of this girl you know and it is and it is unwarranted you know and that should not be happening and it's like but then you see the memes later on you know adding them to another situation that you see in life and it's like you realize like that that one particular line like i just came here to dance that's it it's like you add that into so many other things like uh 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 you ain't even paying me for all that that ain't why i'm here <laughs> right and i think honestly to your point like maybe yeah when we saw it for the first time it was like shock you know oh, oh my goodness this is really about to go down but <laughs> yes. i think now when we hear those lines it feels more nostalgic Absolutely. as opposed to like Oh, that it takes us back to a bad memory. It's like, oh yes, Players Club '99. Yes, you know, <laughs> it's a nostalgic feeling. Like, yes, I, you know, everybody connects on this movie. So we kind of we love the culture of it. We love that it's a part of the culture. So it has a more nostalgic undertone to it. One of my favorite quotes from the movie. I would have. To, I mean, there's so many. I'm thinking of money, money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like one of those to um, Ronnie and and Diamond about to get into. You know, they say diamonds are a girl's best friend. Best friend, you know? yeah. <laughs> um. Oh man. Buy and then you know, money. everybody's favorite is you know, make that money. Don't let it make you. Yes. 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 
I'm trying to think what did Diamond say to Ebony when she caught her with Lance. Um, oh, um, she said you was. You know, you, I loved you, girl. Let you in my house. <laughs> Wait, I knew you was trifling. <laughs> I knew you was trifling, but I didn't think you would do that to me. <laughs> That's all right. I'm gonna be in my mama's house till you get your stuff. Walk away. Door opens. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> did, did you really think I was gonna let you? <laughs> I was thinking in my head like now, Ebony. Come on, now you gotta be smarter than that. Oh my goodness! Um, let's take you back to that scene though. So why, first of all, Lance and Ebony had been tippy toeing around each other. Lance was clearly still in some glances at Ebony while she walking around with the drawers on in front of her cousin's man. All inappropriate behavior. All inappropriate. All inappropriate behavior. Do you think Ebony slept with Lance? Why do Why do you think Ebony slept with Lance? Was it jealousy? Was it I just want what Diamond has? Like, like I just I, the mindset of a girl sleeping with your cousin's man in her house in her bed. I think it is. I think that situation is a little complex. Because sometimes the idea of cheating and the act of cheating isn't necessarily as clear cut as people um, people make it out to be. You know, Ooh, a lot of times I feel like in, it. you know, cheating in most situations, yeah, sometimes it is just sex. But I feel like in certain situations, it's more to that. Like, you know, where with Lance cheating on um, on Diamond, it was more so because he felt that, you know, she wasn't doing certain things at home. So for him, you know, he he made it seem like, you know, it was just Ebony was just a piece of ass who was walking around the house, you know, like you said, half naked. You know, she she a young little thing. She don't know shit. She from, you know, she from the Florida. backwoods or somewhere. Where was right. she from? She was like from yeah from like a small city so it was just for him it was like he looked at it like he was getting a nut off and then it was like well if diamond found out then it was kind of like a spiteful thing like this is your fault because you brought this girl into our house you didn't check her for the way that she was walking around here like i'm a man like what do you expect of me now granted we know that that isn't necessarily you know, we know that's not right, especially when right. you entered into, you know, you're in a relationship with this woman. You know, these are, you know, granted, y'all not married, you didn't take any vows, but it's like still you've made a commitment to her. So you should at least honor that commitment by being faithful if those are the grounds and the basis of y'all relationship. You That'd be different if y'all had an open relationship or something like that. Now that's completely different. But then it's still messy because it's that's her cousin. And then on the flip side, you got Ebony, who should be living by the girl code. Like, granted, it's like when cheating happens, you know, we always see the woman get on the other woman. And a lot of times people be like, well, why are you getting on the other woman? You should be getting on him because that's who you with. But in this situation, she deserved, Ebony deserved that ass whooping. Ebony deserved the ass whooping, and Lance ultimately deserved the ass whooping too. Because Lance, you out here helping to take care of this girl's kid, you you see what I'm saying? Like it's a child involved, and you sleeping with her cousin, like that's foul. 
Yeah. So it's just, you know, I just feel like both of them were wrong in this situation, of course. And Ebony, you know, you just, she was doing it partially out of spite. You know, she wanted to get Diamond back. Diamond had everything that Ebony wanted. You know, she mm -hmm. had she had the looks, she had the body, you know, she had the intelligence because, you know, Evan, I mean, Diamond was out here, you know, we can't negate the fact that she was out here stripping so she could pay her way through college. You know, she had a dream. She had goals. You know, she was working towards something. And right. Ebony was literally just, like, trying to figure it out. And so she was just being young and dumb and naive and was just like, well, I want what you got. I want to do everything the way that you're doing it. So if that's the case, you got this somewhat of a good man let me see how good he is like let me let me take this uh let me take this car for a ride mm. that's what she did i hope it was worth it well you know what's crazy because yes i agree with everything you just said and i will say that i think diamond yes she had everything that ebony wanted and ebony saw that and diamond more than a few times tried to pull her coattail and say this ain't how you do it this is how you do it I'm yeah. trying to show you how to do this and how you stick and move and you don't let this club take control of you. Don't get mixed up with the wrong crowd. I'm gonna try like trying to give her the blueprint. Yes. On how to do this. Ebony wasn't trying to listen though. No. So I'm I'm wondering if Ebony was more intrigued with how Ronnie and Trix was getting down because Ebony was intrigued. Diamond had that Honda Honda Civic, Honda Civic Honda Accord. Mm -hmm. And Ebony saw big bright lights with Ronnie and Trix, fast money, nice cars, keep their hair done, shoes, this, whatever. So she was falling in that trap of everything that glitters. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So while I, I don't, Ebony came into the game all wrong. She was 18, looking for money, looking for fast money. Like you said, from the backwoods. How can I get this quick money? Which is really how a lot of girls fall into the strip club scene. Yeah. Now, let's switch gears to Ronnie and Tricks, right? So Ronnie and Tricks, uh, Frick and Frat, you know. Frick and Frat. Frick and Frat. Like, if if these ain't the two devils on your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> if you looked up ain't shit in the dictionary, you would see Ronnie and Tricks. <laughs> Ronnie and Tricks. Don't Ronnie and Tricks <laughs> Yes, and the fact that Ronnie, a girl in the same atmosphere, um, I saw a little bit of her heart situation when Junior did what he did to Ebony. Ronnie's uh, reaction to that yes. was like, yes. oh, she does have somewhat of a heart. You know what yes. I'm saying? Like, she ain't completely cold-blooded. But at the same time, you left the girl in the right. hotel. I don't think she checked the pulse or nothing. Nothing. And she was shook. She knew, she knew, like, because if we go to the scene where Diamond approaches uh, Ronnie, mm -hmm. we know that Ronnie, she did, like you said, she had somewhat of a, like, oh my God, like, I cannot believe you did this to this girl. You know, right. but it's like it was twofold because it was like you look at it like, did she really care about Ebony, or was it more so because of the fact that she knew that she she brought her there mm -hmm. and so ultimately left her there that yes. she was responsible? 
because you brought this one girl that, like you said, she was 18 years old, fish out of water. Like, this girl ain't never been, you know, she knew to this. You know, she yeah. went to the big city to live with her cousin. And she's so naive, you know, you flashing something in her head. Because Ronnie showed, Ronnie showed Ebony the idea of, like you said, the fast life. Diamond was showing her the idea of slow how you get slow and steady wins the race. Yes. And yes. she was like, you know, in order to get there, you're going to have to work through some stuff. Like, it's not going to come easy. Yeah, you got a nice, you know, body and you got a pretty face. But, girl, like, in order to last in this, you got to, you know, you got to slow and steady or you're going to wear yourself out. Yeah. You got to make smart decisions. You got to make smart decisions. Even if you're in a, a a crazy situation like this, or this is the occupation you choose to have, you still have to make wise choices. You you almost got to be more on your P's and Q's than any other job. Absolutely. Because you're in such a vulnerable state. To stand on anybody's stage in the nude, Bucky naked. Fucking <laughs> like, naked. And then and then it's like one of those things like just think about what that does to your, you know, your psyche because you're not the only pretty girl with a nice body. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, you know, I mean, you then become, yeah, you could be the flavor of the month, but if you don't keep it up and you're not doing what it takes to move the crowd or, you know, you getting regulars, you're easily get phased down in strip club culture. You're absolutely right. I mean, even the, the clubs that we know here of Atlanta, they have, like you said, a flavor of the month. But that can be so short-lived when the next best thing walk through the door. So I yeah. can't even imagine having, like, if you're the top OG in the club, but the next cute little thing that walk in the door, that's a fresh face. You're never going to have a fresh face. That's why... You know what I mean? That's why... I mean, I know we're going to talk about this later, but that's like uh, P-Valley oh, with yes. Mercedes and Autumn Night. Yes. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. But yeah. so, well, continuing a little bit more with the Players Club, because we're going to wrap up the Players Club real quick. Um, I was going to say, as far as Ronnie's character, I think it just it was a level of selfishness weaved into that. So she Absolutely. had a moment of empathy and she sympathized with what Ebony had went through. But at the end of the day, like that, that mindset of, I got to get the heck up out of here because this going to fall on me. And I ain't yeah. got time for that. Yeah. Which is often how, I mean, I've had friends like that in my earlier days, people who ain't really looking out for you. It seemed like they looking out for you. But at the end of the day, they it, don't care. They don't give a damn. Yes. <laughs> yes. It so, makes me think like when I was in college, um, one of my close friends, like to this day, it's it, and it's something that we laugh and joke about now, but we had like hung out with like his frat brothers, and so we were like all joking, and so one of his frat brothers made like he was like joning on him like about some things, right? And so he ended up pulling him aside and was like, I mean, he pulled me to the side because I'm like laughing and instigating the situation, and he's like my big brother because he was like. He he's like two years older than me. And so I'm instigating the situation. And he like pulls me to the side. He was like, nigga, them ain't your friends. Like, I'm your friend. Like, you gonna sit here and laugh and joke with this nigga 
And he was like, that ain't your friend? And he was like, I'm the one who got your back. And so yeah. I was like, damn. And so we like laugh and joke about it because it's like, to this day, like, you know, nothing, you didn't against, even nothing against, you know, his, you know, his frat brother, but it's like, he right. Like, that ain't my friend. Like, I don't even talk to that dude. Like, I, right. I don't even have that man number. <laughs> but you know what? And maybe that's as being young people, you have to learn those lessons of who your friends really are. Absolutely. You learn those lessons and it be situations. Thank God, nothing is detriment is what Ebony went through. Oh, yeah. but it be situations like that when a mofo will leave you hanging yeah. for you to wake up and be like, oh, this ain't really somebody who got my best interest. Yeah, like I thought you had my back. No, 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 no. <laughs> and when you young, it's like Ebony was, you just don't, you don't realize who's really advocating for you and who is using you. Absolutely. Because a lot of people are just using you. Yeah. For their, for their benefit. Because Ronnie was using Ebony to do the dirty work while she collected the money. She was pimping her. She was. She was pimping her. So, Okay. As far as the player club, the players club go, this is a film that has been around for 20 years now. People still talk about it. People still laugh about it. People still pop it on to watch. Wherever it, whenever it comes on, you watch it from wherever it started, wherever you turn the channel on. What are some takeaways that we can use from the players club? Lessons learned. Um, ultimately, like pay your debts. You know, we see, you know, we didn't touch much on this, but, you know, Dollar Bill was, you know, <laughs> running from them boys, like, the whole movie. <laughs> the whole yes. movie. St. Louis, who was it? St. Louis. Uh, Free, well, no, Freeman was the cop. St. Louis, <laughs> who did? Go ahead. St. Louis was the big guy. Y'all, wait, anybody in here don't want to get murdered? <laughs> get, get out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be running the entire movie. Yes. Um, Brooklyn, he was running from Brooklyn and KC. That's what was trying yes. to talk to his, uh, Terrence Howard. Yes. So, yes, pay your debts. I say, don't let the money make you. Yes. Make, no, make the money. Don't let the money make you. Slow and steady wins the race. Absolutely. And so, you can, you know, sometimes, and I think ultimately, Sometimes you can make bad decisions. Sometimes, you know, life is all about, you know, you make bad decisions, but you 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 don't use those failures to keep you down. You fail forward. You know, you learn from that and you go ahead and, you know, use it to make you better. Um, and also, like, if you got a dream, you go after it. Like, you can you can do anything from ultimately any background that you come from. You know, it's just more so using what you have, you know, to to propel you forward. And I think that's an underlining film. I mean, an underlining tone in the movie. And also just it goes to the filmmaker, you know, because, you know, before that, I mean, before Ice Cube got his big break, you know, he was a, a quote unquote gangster rapper, you know, and people right. counted him out. They looked at him like that was the only thing that he was going to be able to do. And look look at him now, like, you know, I mean, movies, 
you know, and now he owns that, you know, that big 10 league, you know, so it's like, it's no stopping you when you like really put your mind to it and you, you grind it out, you know, you bound to, bound to get something done. Yes. And so both of your points of following your dreams, we end the movie with Diamond pursuing her dream as an anchor or being on the news yeah. and with Ebony not let me get the best of her. You know, she left the strip club. She realized that life ain't re- she ain't really about that life. And yeah. and passing on the message. Don't let the money let you know the other girls dancing at Chocolate City now. Some, you know, make the money. Don't let it make you. She learned that lesson, but she had to learn it the hard way, but she did learn that lesson. Yeah. So we are gonna wrap out Players Club and switch gears over to a modern day my chic of the week that we're talking even though the season finale has already come and gone we got to recap what happened in the season one of P Valley down in Chuck Lacey <laughs> down in the <laughs> valley with the girls just get naked, naked. <laughs> hey so were you hip to P Valley when it first started or did you catch wind of it after hearing about it and said, let me figure out what this show is all about? So, um, you know, as working, because we work in television, um, mm-hmm. I try and keep, you know, my hand on the pulse as much as I can, like in terms of like what's new and things, you know, with you being my friend, you know, we, you know, me, you, Farron, you know, and our other, you know, friends and colleagues, we mm-hmm. always are talking about, you know, creating our own projects. So right. I tend to, you know, read the deadlines and the varieties and, you know, the Shadow and Acts. And, um, shout out to Shadow and Act because I just love, you know, Black uh, blogs that are, you know, into film and whatnot. And so I knew about the show, but I didn't really like know what it was about. Mm-hmm. And so I saw the trailer. I think I was watching something on stars and I saw the trailer for it. And then um, one of my shows that like went off on Sunday night and it popped up on the screen and I was like, mm, I guess I'll go ahead and watch it. <laughs> And so I watched it, and I was, like, trying to figure out what was going on, like, in that first scene. Um, the characters, when I started watching it, it really pulled me in. Um, because the one thing that I noticed was, I was like, oh, these characters, it's more to them than just meets the eye. Like, they're definitely going to have depth. And I think Katori Hall did a great job of giving the characters so much depth. Um and they were really warm to the point of mm. wanting to know more. You know, like yes. even like in the second season, like I can't wait to get to the second season because I want to know more of the backstory about these characters. You know, so I, I, yes. I've grown to really enjoy it. Yes, and I will say, yes, kudos to Katori Hall because she did layer these characters in a way where she gave us just enough in the first season to want for us to come back each episode wanting more, wanting to learn more about each of them. So, I mean, literally, she touched a little bit on, let's say, Mississippi, uh, Keyshawn's character. You know, she gave you a little bit. You know, she's a battered woman. She has a child. We didn't know she was dealing with a white man. Right. Until the last couple episodes. That part. You know? 
So that gave us, that, that kept us intrigued. That kept her art going. So now I really want to figure out what's going to happen with her in season two. And vice versa with with all the characters, with um, Autumn Night. Yeah. You know, she comes in with a little bit of a story and she takes you on Autumn Night's journey of how that, how layered that is, you know? Yeah. And with, and I then finding out that Autumn Night's daughter passed, you know, at the end. Like, so there was, she kept you just enough intrigued so that you wanted more each episode and she un- she unveiled a little bit more each episode to keep you coming back every week. Absolutely. With Mercedes character, everybody. It was really, really, and did it in such a really masterful way of the storytelling. Yes. So, who do you think are the breakout stars from this show? Um, everybody's favorite uncle. Uncle Clifford. The, um, <laughs> he did an job um yes I, I would definitely say he did an awesome job and jay alphonse uncle murder i mean yeah i mean not uncle murder. um lord what is that man's name uh it was little murder when they little murder yeah, yeah. jay alphonse uh-huh. nicholson i think he did an awesome job um because you know just as a straight man like this is one of the reasons why me personally, where I, I couldn't be an actor, just because I could not allow myself to do that. Like, you know, and but as someone who admires film and someone who just respects appreciate and appreciates yeah. film and art and just life in general, because you know, life is all about the nuances, you know, and that character, it just has so much depth and it's true to life. Like, I mean, we all have, well, I can't say we all because, you know, there are some people who aren't, you know, for the LGBT community, but shame on them because, you know, they're people just like we right. are, you know? Right. Their sexuality doesn't define them as to, for who they are. You know, we should always look for the content of somebody's character. And but the way that he conveys that character, um, I think that it is, it's just it, it just goes to his artistry. Um, yes, Keyshawn was my boo, but I'm disappointed in her because I wanted to say something about Uncle Clifford's character as well. Because what's interesting to me about this character is that. And to his point too, when I did uh, the little round the roundtable discussion with a lot of them, the point that I really, that hit home with me was that he was getting a really good response from Black men. Yeah. You know, a response because they respected him as the boss, as a goon, in a sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Uncle Clifford is a goon. Yes. Whether, it don't matter what he looked like. Yeah. You know? Like, if you, if you were watching this movie, or I'm sorry, this, this show, you were watching this show with no visuals, you would think Uncle Clifford was your everyday hood dude outside popping guns and getting people in line and checking them and getting up in your face and pull his gun out and making gutter moves. Because he moved like a hood dude. No, absolutely. And the one thing that I respected about the role of Uncle Clifford is you know, how he took care of everybody like he was his character is very selfless you know it's like 
it comes off as though he's like this showboating, you know, person, but he actually really cares about these girls. You know, he cares about this club. You know, after the episode with Loretta Devine and they talk about the history of the club and how it's a part of their family, like, it means something to him. Like, it's not just about, you know, being this, big fixture of a presence it's about you know the change that he creates you know and then it it's like life is already hard like let me go ahead and give you this you know this escape you know let me allow you to be able to just come to the paint you know don't bring me no motherfucking shit but come to the paint and have a good time you (laughs) know what i'm saying like Leave all that other shit out there. You know, yeah, life gonna get yeah. problems, but here at the paint, you know, it's gonna be good. You're gonna have a good time. You know, so Yes, and I will say with his character as well, the actor that portrayed Uncle Clifford did it in such a way. It was very it was done well because they did not make a caricature of what they thought someone who was transgender would act or you know, that it wasn't overplayed, no. you know what I mean? Or downplayed. This was, like, this man is respected because he carried himself with respect on, on, on yes. screen. So he did not make a caricature or a joke out of who this person was. So you connect with Uncle Clifford's character on a deeper level because you see him as a human. Absolutely. And not as, you know, what society says about people who decide to live all you know a different type of lifestyle so yes kudos to all of that um now as far as where you think this is going to take us in season two because we end so we end off the season with we don't know who got shot no we do but they end you know they they tease us a little bit right right they tease us a little bit at the end about who got shot in the room but then we see autumn show up and auction for and that all white looking golly and that all white looking golly with a black eye but yes (laughs) so she came to save the day with that $250,000 um what else did they leave us off at um where was Mercedes at Mercedes went back to the ultimately I guess the church that Patrice Woodbine. That mama is a piece of work. Now that mama is Patrice Patrice Woodbine is something else. You know, she was (laughs) Patrice Woodbine was savage. She's a savage. And then she got hers like in the end, like where she was just basically like, Oh, like, I'm dead to you, remember? Like, that was cold. I was like, Oh, Patrice Woodbine is cold. Like that's a savage woman right there. But you also know that so Katori Hall comes from stage play background. Right. That this was a play. So I think that's why A is so dialogue heavy, but it's also so dramatic with the dialogue. Yeah. Because as it's for a stage play, they have to come across a little more um uh, it just has yeah. to hit home a little harder when you up yeah, on stage. Absolutely. But she wrote but whoever I and I want to say Katori wrote it for you know, wrote the screenplay as well for visual screen. 
and it translated well. Well, sometimes plays don't necessarily translate well on screen. No, absolutely. I've seen that be a contrast sometimes, you know. So they did well in that as well. So as far, okay, so we end off, we see where our characters are. Mercedes is at a low point. So we can con- we can draw a conclusion or assume that she's the one who shot Autumn Knight's, uh, yeah. you know, skeleton in her yeah. closet. And she's really not handling no. that well. So what do you think? What's going to happen in season two? What are your predictions? Okay, so I think that... Um, I think that Mayor, um, I'm trying to think. Yes, Mayor Ruffin. I definitely know we haven't seen the last of Mayor Ruffin. Um, oh no! Which is going to be interesting because I've seen like some memes and different things that I didn't notice, but it was like he seems to be a part of that same Delta gang or brothers of Delta or whatever that. Uh, oh, Mayor Ruffin. That's what I've seen a meme where he was like playing with a ring on his finger, and it was the same one as oh. what was his name, Montrose or Montavious? Montavious. And uh-huh. so that would be interesting to see because, you know, Isaiah Washington really does have it out for Uncle Clifford now. At this point. He got it out for Uncle Clifford, and he has it out for. Uh, for uh, Autumn Night. Yes, and so I would love to see how this plays out with Autumn Night now becoming a boss. Yes. You know, now she, I mean, from a colleague to now you tell me what to do, that's a different, you know, I think we'll definitely see some scenes where that doesn't sit well with everyone. Yeah, also because of the fact that she wasn't, I mean, if we're being Brill, she wasn't a good dancer. Like, it was literally, (laughs) like, and I think that was the thing about, that I grew to love about P-Valley, because it touched on colorism in a sense, where, you know, most of us, because I, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I didn't. You know, you grow up, you see, uh, you know, a fair, a fairly light-skinned woman, and you like, oh my gosh, she's beautiful. But then it's like, as you grow, sometimes you start to wonder, like, okay, is that just playing into the whole, like, where I think white is right type thing? Like, where we're, like, kind of whitewashed or brainwashed to feel that everything light is better than, you know, what it is darker. Because, honestly, Keyshawn is gorgeous. Mercedes is gorgeous. Like, I was looking at them, like, I, I wasn't thinking, like, you know, don't get me wrong, the young lady who plays Autumn Night, she's a beautiful woman, you know, but I wasn't like, but I wasn't completely drawn to her, like, I was, I was looking every week for M, I crooked, crooked, I mean, like, literally, like, that was like, I was here for it, like, I'm like, oh, my, like, my girlfriend even made a comment about the fact, like, she was like, I think you like this a little bit too much, like, you, <laughs> you, <laughs> You might not be able to watch this next week, and I, I because I was looking for Miss Mississippi, like every week, like take my take my check from home, like how can I cash at you? No, I love it. I agree with you. I definitely. I mean, 
that says a lot too. And and they played a little bit on that as well. You heard you heard a couple of lines of you know y'all light skinned girls act like you ain't got to do but so much. You could you barely got to be in there. Damn, I mean barely because she was stiff as hell. Yeah. Okay, I mean, she had a couple moments where she was getting it, but it was like, really like that last dance when, like, Mercedes walked over to Montavious and she, he was like, oh, I got my eye on somebody else. And she was like, boy, them light-skinned heifers, no, they ain't gotta do nothing. And I was sitting there looking like, you ain't never lied, Mercedes, because if Mercedes was in my face, Autumn was not doing a damn thing. Like, and it was like, this the last Mercedes Sunday? I was just like, yeah, like, hell not. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I also think another prediction I have for next season is that we will definitely see them Delta boys ride up. Oh, absolutely. Because they're going to come looking for they. they're going to come looking for they. Oh, boys. absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a whole situation. And if they know, I'm sure they know Autumn autumn night uh from her relationship with my trash so that's going to be interesting to watch too yeah. i think that uh like you said between i'm thinking of the the two films that we've discussed already now is film and show the players club and p valley even just looking at a dollar bill versus a uncle clifford uh uncle clifford two totally separate characters like you said uncle clifford is more about his girls Dollar Bill is more about his dollar. And then I'm paralleling the other characters as well. You got Ronnie from Players Club and you got Mercedes from P-Valley. And those OG stripper, you know, OG stripper, I'm the down, what is it, bottom? Yeah, the bottom, yeah. Or the bottom B, yeah. Right. And those are two totally separate characters. And they play the same role in the in the atmosphere that they're in, but two totally separate different types of characters. So I just I, I give uh, Katori all of her flowers for bringing strip club culture to a screen, the screen in a way where I'm surprised we have not seen a strip club show and it's taken this long because the culture has been on the pulse of the strip club scene for a long I mean, time. Be- and this is the first time we've had a show showcasing what it's like. Absolutely. Because just even, you know, I mean, I guess because we live in Atlanta. So we know that, like, a lot of major yeah. records are broke in the strip club. Like, you know, you know, yes. like, you know, Magic City Mondays, like, some of these, like, rappers are bringing in tracks and they're trying to see how the crowd moves to them, how the strippers react to them, like, you know, and it was very, I thought it was very truth-telling of them to use that scene when Uncle Murder, I mean, Little Murder uh, brought his first record to them and how they were just like, nah, this is trash. Right, and how it's so hard to get your music played in the strip club. Like, don't think that it's just because it's a strip club you could come through, get a DJ your music. No, because because the strip club does have its pulse on what's hot and what's not. It's almost like going to the radio station. How it used to be going to trying to get your song played on the radio. Yeah. Now you gotta get you're trying to get your song played in the strip club. Because if your song go up in the strip club, it's a hit. 
Like even even down to his look, like how they were doing the like basically like development. They were doing the strip club is has become partially like a A and R in a sense because they were helping him with artist development, Lil Murder's character, because he wasn't dressing like that. Like how even in their first episode, Mercedes called him out on the bag, like how they filled the Louis bag with those uh the things that they put at the bottom of the plants at the funeral home, like and how he like soaked it in his uh in his drink, you know, to make it like feel heavy. And Mercedes like, nah, fam, like I already know what it is. Like, like I'm an OG in here. Like I done see, I've seen it. Like, so you ain't hitting me with this. Yes. Like that ain't it. And if you want this, you know. I mean, they finesse in the strip club. Like, that money, like, you can really go yes. broke. Because those women ball, I mean, they make money. And just think about the fact that they were in, in a small city, you know, in Chuck Alisi. Like, just think if they was in Atlanta. So if they making that type of money in Chuck Alisi, imagine how much they're making in, like, your Miami, your Houston, your Atlanta, you know, the, the, the actual strip club city. Well, and Brian, from a man's perspective, right, what is it about the strip club that makes a man want to go in there and spend all his money? Because from my point of view, I think men only do that to impress other men. Like, I got all this money. I'm going to make it rain. Look, I came up here to throw money. I don't care. You know, it's a party. It's a party. But I really, I want to know from your perspective, what is it about the strip club (laughs) That you just want to throw your money. So, and give so I'm gonna be honest with you. I might not be the best one to ask because <laughs> where I do enjoy the strip club, you know, I mean, you know me. You know, I'm a very logical thinker. So to me, <laughs> like even even now that because when I first moved to Atlanta, I didn't have a lot of money. You know, so you know, like majority of it. I mean, like. You know, most people who are transplants to Atlanta sometimes, Stop, yeah. yeah. I was starting out, I was trying to figure out how to work in television and film. I didn't really have money like that. But, you know, you go to the strip club. That's what you do, you know. And it's just one of those things where I've always looked at it as though it was a fantasy. You know, because I'm not necessarily one to, you know, to pay to play. So it's like <laughs> you you have to like really be able to pay in order to play. And then half the time, mm. half the time it's an illusion because or you end up, you know, going back to what we was talking about about players club, you end up like Myron ass. You spending all this money <laughs> <laughs> in the strip club, and then you find yourself trying to wait outside the strip club going crazy like no, like I know you love me. No, sorry. It's it's a fantasy. Right. They are selling a fantasy to you. And right. And what what did my Myra said to Diamond? I, I spent a lot of money right. on you, Diamond. They don't I, give you you don't that doesn't grant you ownership. That was a gift. <laughs> and that was a gift. You paid for a service, which was a dance. And you paying five dollars after five dollars, ten dollars after ten dollars for a dance, like it started to add up. 
And living in Atlanta ain't cheap. And I just realized that, you know, what what is the point of me throwing all this money? You know, granted, I'll go, I'll have a good time. But I mean, I'm the same way with the casino. Like I have a cat, you know, I'd rather spend my money on looking fly, eating good, you know, and doing activities and hanging out with my friends versus and buying electronics right. versus spending it all in the strip club. Because I, me personally, being, you know, most men are visual anyway, but I need something tangible. I need something that I can feel. And the thing is, I can't take you home with me tonight. Like, you know, and even right. if you was, let's just say, you know, granted, yes, I am. I think I'm a handsome looking guy, but it's just like, do is my psyche like is my psyche really strong enough? You know, and that's not saying that my masculinity is fragile or anything like that, but it's just like, am I mentally strong enough to be okay with my girl dancing butt ass naked for you know for all these men and women to see? And it's like I just don't necessarily think that that's for me because as as a man who is certain of himself, I wouldn't want if that's what makes you happy, then that's what makes you happy. You know, and I don't want to be the right, one that's that's just, that might not be the woman for you. In, in the way of it. But because of that, like you just said, that means it should just possibly not the one for me. Because I want you to be able to do what makes you happy. And if doing and if doing that is what makes you happy, I don't want to change it. And it's like ultimately, like I would have to adapt to that, you know. So I guess that my answer was twofold because no, I couldn't, I couldn't see myself dating someone in the strip club, and then which wasn't the original question, but I think that I don't understand why, you know, man. I'm glad that they do because it allows you know some some of these women to, you know, make the change and do what they need to do. But it's just. That's a bigger conversation. That go like that's so such a layer conversation of women and their owning their sexuality and doing what they want to do, and men not you know either accepting that or can't accept that. It's a very that's a layered conversation of what's moral and what's no absolutely because like even my girlfriend we watched she didn't really watch it but we watched the last episode. She saw the first episode with, like, one of her girlfriends, and then we watched the last episode together. And she asked me, she was like, so if you had a daughter, how would you feel about your daughter being a stripper? And I was like, uh, I, I, uh, and she was like, I mean, because... She was like, ultimately, you're, you know, you're somewhat of a feminist. Like, you feel that women should be able to, you know, have control of their bodies. You feel that they should be able to do whatever they want, you know, just as much as any man. And she was like, so how would you feel if that was your, your child? And I was just like, I mean, well, uh, I, I wouldn't want them. You know, I wouldn't want my daughter to want to do that. And it's like, but ultimately, I guess if she were, like, I would have to find some, like, you know, being able to respect it, you know? 
I, I mean, I, I would, respect yeah, the choices. respect your choices. It it wouldn't be my first, you know. I mean, I'm sure most strippers don't grow up saying like, yeah, you know, when I grow up, I want to go down to Magic City and I want to shake, you know, I'm going to shake my ass till I can't shake it no more, you know. So it's just one of those things. I, it's very hard. I feel like it's one of those situations that you got to be in in order to, like, really give an answer. But I don't know. I feel you. I'm in I'm in the boat of I remember in my heyday, you know, in college, I went to all the strip clubs, you know, and the thought of I could sit there and have a good time with, you know, some drinks and all that. But the thought of me being the one on stage was mortifying. Like, so you do question, like, how do these women do yeah. it? But in the same token, like to not judge their choices for what's moral and what's immoral. You know what I mean? Like it's a fine line and it's so tricky. And we some people like to just label like, oh, they all crack hoes or they all do drugs and they all drunk up there. There actually are some women who this is what they choose to do. Some women like in diamond shoes who are very comfortable. You know how comfortable you have to be with your body? Yeah to stand on a stage in front of a room full of people? You know how comfortable, like the security, I don't think we give the women enough, like we, some women, I like to say, will label them as, oh, them women are insecure, they don't care about themselves, they ain't got no respect for themselves. Do you know how secure of a woman you have to be in yourself to stand on stage? We're already hard on our Half the women you know don't even, right, half the women you know don't even, aren't even comfortable with their body. Oh, Absolutely. So for somebody to stand on stage in front of a room, a packed room full of people, but booty naked, you can't tell me that woman ain't coming. No, absolutely. And we learned also, you know, from watching P-Valley, that most men aren't even. Because just think about that scene where, um, think about the scene where um, Mississippi had um, Lil Murder stripped down and perform like where she was just basically like doing that test with him, like to get him to perform better. And she had him stripped down and like, you know, no matter how, you know, comfortable, big or small, your genitalia might be or any of that. It's still a sense of, like you said, like people are looking at me. Like you don't necessarily just want somebody to see, you know, all the time. You know, some people are just like nudists by nature. Some people just like to be naked and, and want to be seen. And like you said, there are some who are just pretty much like, mm, like, I I don't know. Like, I mm, I can't. But it's like, it's okay if that's, you know, to each his own. You know? Yeah. But oh, if, yes. oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, so I remember one time when I moved, like, when I first moved to Atlanta, and we went to Onyx, which is now, which is now closed, but one week, it was like a, just during the week, we went to Onyx, and I will never forget, I saw these two, these two women, they were on the pole, and then she, like, climbed up the pole, all the way to the top of the pole. And then she, like, went over to, like, the air vent and was, like, swinging from the air duct. 
And then she like got on the pole and like went all the way down to a split. And I was like, oh my God, this hood circuit so late. Right. I was like, these acrobats, like, I was just like, oh my God. Like, literally, I see how people throw their money every week because I was like, Jesus, this is a show. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. They are doing some stuff in there that the average woman is certainly not capable of. <laughs> no, and it takes a lot of strength. You Yes. No, it's a it's a their bodies are crazy like that because of the yes. athleticism. They're athletes. It's an art. It's an art form. You got dancing. You have a strength. Like your core has to be tight, like balance. It is uh, art form. In those shoes. In shoes. Yeah. No, give the give the women their flowers and stop. Absolutely. Okay. Because I, I and I think the part to me that would be the hardest part of working in there would be to bend down and pick up. That is the one part of the strip club that I find to be a little degrading. Like I'm just like, oh, like. To have to bend down in front of somebody and pick up the money, like to gather the money, is just kind of like that's the one part that I just find to be a little. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's like because you go from this high of the the music is flowing, all eyes on you, you popping it, dancing like ain't nobody ever seen, and then now the music is off and it's time for the girl to switch out. So to gather one dollar bills. Off the floor, in a trash. Yeah, bag. it's like the whole like. I get you. It, it almost puts you in mind of like the money on the nightstand type situation. Yes. Like you get your money off the nightstand and leave. Um. Yeah, yeah I hear you. Okay, we're gonna wrap this out. Um. First of all, thank you for. I I know I said it already, but I'm gonna say it again. I appreciate. Thank you, you for having. On. Absolutely. I couldn't have this conversation with nobody else, okay? <laughs> P-Valley is so prevalent and modern now, and I really thought, I'm like, I have to talk to, about the Players Club with Brian. Like, that's not even, yes. that's a given. So, I mean, I'm happy that you're on. I'm sure in the future I'll have you on again. We got so many films that we love to talk about. So, thank you for coming on, Mr. Brian yes, Davis. thank you for having me. And we will I'll absolutely talk to you, soon. you too. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of She Critiques. I'm your host, Mercedes. You can find me on all platforms at She Critiques. That's C H I C C R I T I Q U E S. And we look forward to the engagement and all the feedback. Take care.